Several years ago, back in, uh, in Houston, Wanda and I uh, had the opportunity to be dorm parents for a couple years. And um, every night, we would make rounds and walk into the, the cubicles where the, 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 the kids were. Uh, every cubicle had four different rooms and a central lounge. And our job was kind of make sure everybody was in place and every, all the cubicles were clean, that kind of stuff. And one night, I was making the rounds and I came in this cubicle, and uh, Mike Sanders, who is Cliff Sanders' brother, Cliff is the head of the ministry department at Mid-America Christian University, Mike Sanders, who was one of the students there, was, was vacuuming. There was a group of guys playing cards at a table, and Mike was vacuuming, but the vacuum cleaner wasn't running, and Mike didn't know it. He had headphones on, and they had a really long, like a 25-foot cord that was plugged into a stereo, and he had it blaring. And uh, he was pushing away with that vacuum cleaner, singing to the top of his lungs. But after he had turned that on and started vacuuming, one of the guys thought it would be cute and unplugged that vacuum cleaner. And so he was just pushing away and singing, and I'm standing there, and the guys at the table were playing cards, and they're just cracking up laughing. And he's going on and on and on, and finally he realizes it's not picking up stuff, you know, and when you when you got headphones on, you have to think you have to talk real loud, and he was going like this over some stuff, and he goes, I don't think this is working very well, and, then, and he's getting down, and he's just pushing as hard as he can, and he was pushing and pushing, and we stood there probably for 10 minutes watching him do that, just run that vacuum cleaner. It wasn't doing anything good at all until he finally figured out that this thing wasn't plugged in. We all got just a, a great laugh out of that. Well, if you're not plugged in, you don't have any power. Amen? Well, that's the big idea behind our, our, our story today or behind our text today. We've been in this red letter edition, and we've been looking at these great statements of Jesus. And today, I want to look at one that I actually mentioned last week from John chapter 15, uh, at verse 5. I'll just throw that up on the screen for you. Just one short verse. Why don't we read that out loud together today? Ready? Here we go. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, that was what Mike Sanders discovered. <laughs> Apart from the power, you really can do nothing. <clears throat> I called this message the secret to our success. When you begin to think about what does it really mean to live a, a fulfilling life? What does it really mean for us to maximize the, the, the possibilities and the potential that our lives have? It is in this verse. The fact that God is the vine, we are the branches, and we need to remain in him. Now, this morning, what, what I want to do, I, I just want to unpack this just a little bit and, and maybe just give you some thoughts that will help you take this verse and to apply it to your own life. You ready? Let me just give you a few thoughts to, to, to camp on today. Here's the first one. I want you to realize that we are created for connection. That we are created for connection. Now, when I was thinking about this idea, one of the things that hit me is how this idea of being dependent upon God, this idea of needing to be plugged into something else for us to really be who we're supposed to be, how that goes counterculture to how we are taught to think. 
Uh, you know, you think about the phrases that we often use uh, in our culture when we describe someone who is, quote, successful or someone that we think has it all together. We, we, we will use phrases like, there's a self-made man. Or, wow, that's a guy who really pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. Or, that's an individual who they stand on their own two feet. And I started thinking about some of those phrases that we use and the fact that those may be really nice cliches, but you do understand they aren't biblical. We weren't created to do life on our own, amen? In fact, on your outline I put, the enemy's greatest lie is that we don't need God. And directly related with that, the enemy's second greatest lie is that we don't need each other. Now, I want you to look at me for a second because what I want to say is it's sometimes hard for some of us to hear. Some of us have grown up and it has been inbred into us that we are to be uh, individuals, that we are to be individualistic, that we are to be independent, that we shouldn't need anything, that we shouldn't need anybody. And what we have to understand is that is a, that is a cultural thinking that really isn't a biblical way of thinking. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Read it with me, church. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being. Who breathed into man the breath of life? God did. And I think one of, the, one of the, the illusions is that man can be man without God. We can't. We can't be nearly who we are created to be without the presence and power of God in our life. That's why he's saying, I'm the vine, you're the branch. We're connected to each other. And it goes a step further. I want to look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12. I thought this was insightful. We, we refer to this in relationship, but I, I just want you to catch the full meaning of it. It said, and Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. Now read it with me, church. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I want, you to, I want you to catch what Jesus is saying in that. What he's saying, you know, out of all of, all of these things that we're, we're, we're taught, and all of these things that we have to come to, he said the greatest understanding you can have is that you need, you need to be fully connected and fully in love with God, and you need to be fully connected and fully in love with others. God breathed into us the breath of life. We can't be who we were created to be apart from him. That same God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he placed us in community. Does this make sense to you? Now, this is one of the, one of the parts of, uh, of uh, when I look around at what's going on for us culturally, uh, how we, we see everybody wants, you know, this is all about me. No, no, no. It's all about us. And God created you. He created you to need him, and he created you to need one another. In fact, I, I created a little image. Throw that, pat, throw that image up on the screen. I, I want you to look at these uh, 
you know, a lot of us understand that when trees grow, a lot of times they grow in clumps to where their, their roots are interconnected. And I thought, you know what, that's a great example of how God created us to live. Um, if you can put yourself there in the middle, that middle tree, you see how your roots go down and you have God on one side of you and your, the roots of your life are, are to connect with him. And then on the other side, the roots of your life are to connect with other people. Now, when your roots go down deep and you are connected to God and you are connected to other people, you know what? You will start, stand a lot stronger than you will by yourself. Does this make sense to you? You will draw more nourishment. You will grow better. You will be more stable in your life. And you will be have the chance to, to become who God fully called you to be. And, and this is such a hard understanding for us sometimes. Because we want to do it on our own. You know, we want to do it on our own. How, how many of you have raised kids before? You ever, you ever try when you're teaching a kid how to do something? You know, what's one of the first things that they learn to say? I want to do it by myself. I want to do it by myself. And again, it's not that we don't learn to do some things, you know, out with our own hands, but the idea that we never, we don't need God anymore or that we don't need people anymore be, becomes a pervasive thinking. Um, I love what, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul was, came to the realization that he, 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 could, he just couldn't do this. And in fact, if you remember, Paul was talking about how um, he had this thorn in the flesh and how he, he couldn't shake it no matter what happened, no matter what he did. And he, he, three different times he went to God, you know, and he said, Lord, you know, would you, would you take this away from me? I, I, I want to I be freed from him. And I, when the Lord responded to him by saying, Paul, you need to understand, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, what you're trying to get rid of by yourself, I, can, I will have to help you with. My grace is sufficient to accomplish what you want to do. That's why Paul makes this ridiculous statement that we sometimes have to go back to and wrap our minds around. Paul said, I've made this incredible discovery, and that discovery is this. When I am weak, then I am strong. Let that sink in for a second. When I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, it's when I come to the realization that I really am in need of God, that I really can't do this without the presence and the power of God. It's only when I really come to that that I can fully be the person God has called me to be. Does this make sense to you? We are created for connection. Second piece of this from, from the verse that we have to remind ourselves of is that our strength is not in our personal ability, but it's in Christ's power and grace. Let me say that again. It's that our strength is not in our personal ability but it's in Christ's power and grace. Now, it's so important when you go back to this verse to realize, it's, it's exciting to realize the fact that you can bear much fruit. 
that God has created you with possibility and potential, and, and he has gifted us, and that he can do many things through us. And, and, and that's, a, that's a great understanding. But if you're like me, every once in a while, you kind of forget, again, that you need to be plugged in. And it's so easy to get out there and just kind of doing life on your own and forgetting that you really do need, that it's really not you doing this, but it's God doing this. He is the vine. We are simply the branches. It's only being connected to him. Um, I, I love this. I, I posted a video and I just clipped a, a piece off of it to show you this morning. because I thought this is such a great example. You know, if, you, if you've ever done this before, where you're out there and you're tough on your own, you'll, you'll, you'll catch it. This is just a really cute, throw this bit of beer. Watch out. Watch this baby elephant. I'm so big. I'm so bad. I can chase you birds. Oh, away. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. Mama! Isn't that, isn't that awesome? And I, I read, watched this video and I thought, that's us. That's us. Isn't that how it happens? Come on. It's just us. How many of us get out there against life? And we get out there on our own, you know, and, and we think, you know, gosh, I, you know, I've got this and I can do this. And, you know, and we're just charging ahead. And somewhere along the way, we, we just kind of lose connection with God. We, you know, we, we, we just kind of drift away from him and we're taking life on and we're doing all of this. And all of a sudden, what happens? We crash and burn. And when we crash and burn, what do we do? That's when we learn to turn and we run back to God. Amen. I promise you, those birds on the ground weren't nearly as afraid of that little baby elephant as they were afraid of mama. <laughs> yeah. How many of you ever saw the? Uh, <laughs> have you ever saw the old movie Beethoven? Have you ever seen that movie about the big dog, the big Saint Bernard? Oh, it's such a cute movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a great old Disney movie. It's about a family who buys this pup, or they get this puppy. And it's a St. Bernard, and they don't realize it at first how big this dog is going to be. And the St. Bernards get to be huge, huge animals. And it's a hilarious story about this family caring for the St. Bernard and how this big dog, you know, kind of interacts with the family. There's a scene in this movie that I think it's, it's just a great picture, again, of human nature and how we, how we are with God. There's a, the little boy in the family. His name is Ted. And Ted is just kind of a little guy with glasses, and he's kind of nerdish. And uh, he's the kind of kid that the other kids pick on. And uh, there's a scene in the movie where uh, Ted's on the bus, and these three bullies came up to him on the bus, and they start picking on him. And they start, you know, saying ugly things to him and calling him names and all this kind of stuff. Well, it gets to his bus stop, and Ted grabs his books, and he goes running off the bus. And these bullies chase him. And these bullies get him, and he's, he's kind of got his back, you know, back to, the, to the, some bushes and stuff right there. And, and he's, he's standing there, and, and the bullies kind of surround him, these big guys who are just a lot bigger than him. And uh, they start taunting him a little bit and doing all this stuff. Well, he's right out in front of his house, and Beethoven, the big St. Bernard, looks out the window and sees what's going on. And Beethoven beelines it out the door. Well, as Beethoven's coming over, these bullies just grab this little, this, grab Ted's glasses off of his face. And, um, and Ted, like, you got my glasses, you know, and the boys are taunting him, saying, you know, do something, do something. And, and Ted's, you know, Ted knows he can't, but he, he stands there and he looks at him and he, he puts his fist up. Now, he doesn't know Beethoven's coming up from behind him. And Ted is kind of standing there like this in front of these bullies. And these bullies are laughing at him until they see Beethoven. 
And all of a sudden, they look over his shoulder, and Beethoven's there showing his teeth going, ah, you know, kind of stuff. And these bullies see it. Now, Ted, all he sees standing there like this, he doesn't see Beethoven. And the bullies go, here, here, here's your glasses. And they, they turn around, and they run back. They run away, and he puts his glasses on, and Beethoven heads back to the house. Ted doesn't know that it was Beethoven who scared the bullies away. He thinks it was him. And so in the next scene, you see Ted in front of the mirror flexing his muscles. Throw that picture up on the screen. (laughs) That's Ted. Now, I want you to get this because sometimes, sometimes in in our journey of faith, sometimes we get a little bit carried away with ourselves. You know, we, we do something, we accomplish something, and, and we, we think it was us. You know, we, we do, something goes on, and we, you know, we, we, we people, you know, sing our praises, and we go, yes, yes, yes. And it's so easy for us to forget that it really isn't us. It is the power of God flowing through us. It is God divine influence. Does this make sense to you? You know, it's like, it's like when Moses was, was going back from the, the mountain to the Egypt and, and God had told him and said, you go back to Egypt, you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And God says to Moses, he said, you know, I'm going to send you back, but here's what I know. Pharaoh will not let them go unless a mighty hand compels them. But if you'll go, I'll go sort my hand. Now, you remember the story. Moses went back, and he prayed, and there were 10 plagues, and there were all of these things that happened. You can't miss this. None of those plagues were about who Moses was. The people being freed was about who God was. Amen? You know, I don't think Moses went back to the mirror and went, you know. And neither can we. Look at me. One of the greatest mistakes we can make in our journey of faith is to believe that we can do God's work out of our strength. He is the vine. We are the branches. When we are in him, honey, we can bear much fruit. Our lives can have significance and impact. But when we are not connected to the vine, Apart from him, we can do nothing, nothing. You know, we, we love to, you know, to declare victory, and we love to declare ourselves as overcomers, and I, and I love that, but we can never forget why we can do things and why we are overcomers. And I'll put that verse up on the screen from Philippians 4.13. This is one of our, our favorite verses we like to quote. Read it out loud with me, church. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Now, let's just stop there for a second. Paul doesn't say, I can do everything. I can do everything. Oh, bring it on, world. No matter what you got, I can do everything. And no matter what it is, I can do everything. I can face this trial. I can face this struggle. I can do this. I can do that. Paul never said, I can do everything. I can do all things. What he said, I can do all things. How? Through Christ. Who gives me the strength? And honey, if Christ isn't giving us the strength, guess what? We're dead in the water. Amen? Look at what John says in 1 John 4, 4. He says, if you, but you belong to God, my dear children. I love what he says. He says, you have already won a victory over those people. Talking about the people of the world. Read it with me. Why? 
because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Now, again, you got to get what John is saying. God is, John is not saying you're more powerful than the people around you. You're not more powerful than people at work. You're not more powerful than people out in the community. You're not more powerful than he said. The spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit that is living in the world. Look at me. I love you, but it is not about you. It's about who he is. So I put the statement on your outline. We can do less than we think without Christ, but we can do more than we think with him. Amen, church? Amen. Let me give you one more thought. Coming to Christ is a momentary experience. Remaining in Christ is a daily exercise. Let me say that again. Coming to Christ is a momentary experience. Remaining in Christ is a daily exercise. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, other versions will say, if you abide in me and I in you, then you can do these things. I, I spent some time just processing that idea this week about what, what does it mean to remain in Christ? What, what does it mean to allow him to remain in me? What, what, does, that, what does that really mean? And I, and I thought of something, um, I, I met with... Um, Andrew Bruce and his fiancée, Emily, this week, uh, they're going to be getting married in December. And I began some, some premarital counseling with them to kind of talk about, um, you know, what to expect and try to address some of the issues that, that come up with uh, couples after they get married. And, and one of the things that hit me uh, in just thinking about that whole process is the fact that, you know, when, when a couple gets married... The moment they walk down that aisle as husband and wife, the moment that experience is over, they're surrounded by a world that does everything it can to pull them apart. Um, they get busy. They have jobs to tend to. They have other interests in their life. They have people who are demanding their time and attention. Now, just stay with me on this. You see, in that experience of getting married, they're focused only on each other. And they go on their honeymoon. They're thinking only of each other. But all of a sudden, when they come back, they come back to a world in which their mind gets divided. And they have to think about a lot of other things. Uh, they have to think about work. They have to think about their responsibilities. They have to think about all this stuff. And here's the deal. And you'll get this if you've ever been married. For them to stay connected, they have to pursue each other. I have to make time for my wife. My wife has to make time for me. You see, unless I intentionally pursue her, unless I intentionally make time in my, my mind and make time in my heart for her, she will drift away. And the same from her for me. Uh, it, it, there takes a, a pursuing for us to stay connected. You know, you know what? It's the same way with God. 
You know how, how, how you can receive Christ? The Bible says that if you'll open your heart to our Lord Jesus Christ, he will come into your heart and abide with you. And what that means is he's willing to forgive you of your past. He's willing to, to join you in a future. But the moment that experience is over, you've got to find a way to carve out time in your life. Because everything in this world is going to take your mind away from God, away from your journey of faith. And if you don't intentionally set aside time and, and to spend with him, you know what? You begin to drift apart. Does this make sense to you? To remain in him takes pursuing him. Um, I love there's all those action words that um, are on, I'll put them on your outline. I started thinking about how Jesus described our journey. And look at, what, look at these action words that Jesus says uh, to, to us as his disciples. Look at what he says. He says, follow, seek, ask, knock, come, abide, remain, listen, pray, learn, look. Hear, see, all of those are action words of faith, the ways that we are to lean into God. If you are really going to be a disciple to Christ, it takes that. It takes listening. It takes following. It takes seeking. It takes knocking. It takes asking. It takes pursuing God. Amen? So when you come to those difficult places in your life, you're connected. I love um, David Miller, uh, one of our church members here. His mother is uh, getting older now. I think, she's in her, I think she's in her 90s, and her health is beginning to slip, and she, she doesn't really want to be around this world anymore, Dave says. And I thought this was so cool. He posted his picture on Facebook. Throw that picture up here on the screen. That's his mother's Bible. And she doesn't want a new Bible. She says she knows right where all of those pages are. And when I saw this picture, I started laughing, and it reminded me of that old adage I heard from years ago that said, a Bible that's falling apart is usually owned by someone who's not. You see, she can stand confidently at the end of her life, unafraid of dying, because she knows where her, she's going. Why? Because she has pursued her Lord Jesus Christ all of her life. Amen? It takes pursuing. The, the second part is a, is a little more painful, and that is to really remain in Christ, it also takes pruning. It takes pruning. John 15, 2. Read it out loud. He says, Jesus says, he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Now, I've got to confess to you, I really did not understand this verse um, until we lived in Phoenix. And I mentioned last week we, we had a, a few different fruit trees in our yard. And when we had moved there, um, one of the Sunday school classes heard that our youngest son, Nate, likes grapefruits. And so they actually planted a grapefruit tree in our backyard. And, uh, and it, was, it was growing up. And, uh, but what was happening the first year or so that we had it is that there weren't very many. It was a ruby red grapefruit tree, but there were only like one or two grapefruit trees, uh, grapefruits on it. And I remember saying something to someone at church about it. And they said, well, you need to, you need to, you need to prune it. And I said, well, what is it? I don't know. What does that mean? They said, well, it gets a lot of, you grow a lot, start growing a lot of leaves and branches and you need to cut some of that back so that the, so that it can begin to generate fruit. And I thought that's counterintuitive to me. 
you know, you cut something back so that it'll grow. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't seem to make, really make a lot of sense. But I did. And, I, you know, I, went, I, I, clipped, I clipped the tree back. And you know what was so amazing? We cut that tree back the next season. We had a bunch of grapefruit. In fact, the next season, we had so much grapefruit, Wanda's going, you got to stop growing all this grapefruit. We didn't, we have, we didn't know what we are going to do. We're giving grapefruit away. It started, started bearing so much fruit. All because we got rid of the fluff, it made room for the fruit. Does that make sense to you? And how do we remain in Christ? Well, one of the ways is by pursuing him. But the other way that we really remain connected for, in Christ is we get rid of some of those things in our lives that are pushing the Lord out. Whatever that may be. Actions, attitudes, behaviors, things that we attach ourselves to that don't allow us to bear the kind of fruit that God wants us to bear. That's why I put the statement at the bottom of your outline. You know what? Sometimes we have to get rid of some of us to make room for more of Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you connected to God this morning? Are you remaining in him? Rachel, go ahead, come on up. This morning, we're going to respond today by having a chance to share communion together. And each of you hopefully picked up on your way in one of those little cups in the back that has a little two-layer deal. It's got a little thin cellophane thing on top that you can peel back and take the wafer out, and then you can peel the next part back to drink your juice. And we're going to let you do that in just a second. But I, I want you to take just a moment for some personal reflection. And this morning, I want to invite you, if you have never committed your life to our Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you today. Maybe, maybe you have gone through the frustration of trying to do life all by yourself. And you find out it's just not working. Well, the fact of the matter is, you, you, you were created for connection. You weren't created to do this on your own. You were created to need God and to need his people. And this morning, if, if you've never opened your heart to him, this morning would be just a great day for you to pray that prayer that just simply says, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you. I can't do this without you. The Bible says if we confess our sin, we confess our need from God and our, our failure at trying to be God in our own life, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today can be a brand new day for you. This little communion set that we hold, that represents blood that was spilt for you, a body that was broken for you. God loves you so much, he has given you himself. He just wants you to open your heart to him. And if you've taken that first step of that experience, are you remaining in him? Are you pursuing God with all your heart, making time for him in your life? Are you letting him prune you of the things that are not of him? 
Sometimes we need to get rid of some of us to make room for more of him. Rachel's going to lead us in this song. And while, while we sing that, I want this to be your personal time of prayer. And whether it's a dedication of your life to God or whether it's a renewal of your walk with him, whatever it is you want God to do in you today, let this song take you there. Let these words this morning speak to your heart. You lean into God. You draw near to him. He will draw near to you today. Our Father, we hold in our hands today the reminders of your incredible commitment to us. For you so loved us, you sent your one and only Son to die in our place. The commitment that you had, Lord, was all in. You held nothing back. All you ask in return is that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so today, Lord, we come. Father, this morning, I pray that you would meet us here. There are some, perhaps, for the very first time that are opening their heart to you. Lord, they've been doing life all on their own. and They have found how frustrating that is. Today, Lord, we invite you in to be the Savior of our lives and the, the Lord of our lives, the director of our path. And we pray that from this day forward, Lord, that, that you will lead and, and we will follow. Lord, thank you. Your word says, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all things become new. And so we thank you today that through our Lord Jesus Christ, today can be the very first day of the rest of our lives. And Father, for all of us who have committed ourselves to you, help us to remain in you. Help us to pursue you daily like you have pursued us. Help us to stay in your word, to stay close to you through prayer. Help us to look for you, to listen for you, to lean into you, to ask, knock, Lord, and just to, to, to open our hearts and minds to the things that your, your spirit is saying. Your word says, when we, when we seek to draw close to you, you do draw close to us. And Father, prune us. That's not always a pleasant process. Sometimes it's showing us things in our life that are not of you is actually pretty painful. But Lord, it's so easy to develop bad habits and bad attitudes. It's, so easy to find ourselves getting in down a road of stinking thinking. and It's just so easy, Lord, for us to allow things to slip in that have nothing to do with the people you want us to be. And so, Father, today, let your spirit just cut back all of that stuff that's not of you. And would you fill us up afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. Lord, you are the vine. And we are the branches. Lord, we want to remain in you. We want our lives to have significance and meaning. We want our lives to be fulfilling and impactful. We want our lives to bear much fruit. For your glory and in your name, we pray and give you praise. And all of God's people said, Amen.